Are we overstating a loss as still a moral victory for a team like the Virginia Cavaliers? I would say not because they have looked better in recent weeks. And as Tony Elliott noted after Virginia lost in overtime at Miami in front of like 35 fans that were down there, there were actually some... What did you say, Trey? I said that's a sellout for them. I mean, it, it really is, Trey. It was loud in patches. By the way, my favorite part of watching that game is the fact that they love to do the aerial shots of the mostly covered Hard Rock Stadium so that you really don't see how few people are actually at the Miami Hurricanes football game. I get it. I'm throwing haymakers at a program that I claim to support, so take that for what it's worth to start the fast lane. Hey, I mean... The 35 fans and that the fact that Miami only could beat Virginia in overtime. We got the ACC moment of the week. We got that. You got uh, Dave Doran um, saying, Steve Smith, uh, you can kiss my, my, he said the, the A word. We might use um, that. I got two more for you. Go ahead. 15, we got a delay at the US, USC Cal game. Cal is coming into the ACC. Get ready for and this. Then, and then, of course, SMU scoring, uh, 55 points against Tulsa. Okay, I, I've got a 55 number of those. to 3. Trey, we might even just roll that into the fast five at five ish. 55 to 2. In just a moment. Or 3. To 3. 52 to 3. But let's focus on Virginia for a moment. Let's have their moment in the sunshine, in a loss, and in typical Virginia fashion. This is kind of what we're doing here. But you know, snarky comments aside, I, I said this on an insaneradiodeals.com fast take. Virginia showed something in that loss. They were in the game the entire way. Frankly, they should have won it at the end. They need to learn how to win. But as Tony Elliott mentioned afterwards, I don't think he's being too head-in-the-sand coach, if you will. There actually are some positives for Virginia from that loss. What I told this team is, man, I'm, it's a hurt football team. You know, they know they care. Man, uh, if they didn't care, they wouldn't show up every single week, right? And, and you think about um, kind of the world that they live in. Right, uh, especially everything that happened last year. There probably is a lot of people that tell them, "Why would you?" Right? You know, you don't need to. You shouldn't. And then you you start, you know, zero and five, and everybody's probably telling you, "Man, why are you still playing?" Man, it's season's over. But they keep on scrapping. Right? They keep on uh, and they keep on getting better and keep on you know, improving. In the day and era of the transfer portal, the I gotta get mine era. There are a couple things of note. The first is the positive. Virginia, they have continued to fight in spite of the fact that there were not a lot of signs that this team knew exactly what their identity is and what direction they were going to go. And while it may not be Virginia's theoretical identity, because when I think of blue-collar schools in the Commonwealth, Virginia doesn't exactly come to mind unless it's the blue on the collar of a dress shirt as opposed to blue-collar work mentality. Nor Miami. But... Yes, they played a Miami team that doesn't exactly have that identity themselves. And yes, a Miami team that, for all their coaching flaws themselves, guess what? They have found a way to somehow keep winning these football games. As bad as Miami has looked, and this is kind of what we said about Virginia Tech last week, if you just win these games against mediocre teams and can continue to do that over a long period of time, you can build up equity. It's what, for a while, David Cutcliffe did at Duke. It's what, for... The majority of this year, until Riley Leonard got hurt, Mike Elko had done at Wake Forest or at Duke this year. Clawson at Wake Forest is another example of it. It is understanding that. And it, yes, you may not think blue collar when you think of Virginia, but 
realistically, you probably should because if anything, their basketball program has kind of established themselves under a blue-collar mindset. It's not the flashiest. We all know that with Tony Bennett. But they clearly win. They clearly develop talent. And they're clearly going in the right path as our chats with head coach Tony Bennett and Ryan Dunning, Reese Beekman from last week at the ACC basketball tip-off would indicate fast lane deadline where you listen to podcast to hear those. But this was a learning experience for Virginia in a good way, as Tony Elliott mentioned. We've learned a lot over the course of the season. Uh, we still got uh, a ways to go, uh, but really, really proud of the guys. Thought we played clean football, didn't have any penalties, you know, um, no penalties. And, um, you know, we ran the ball effectively. You know, we, we, we just, you know, we, we didn't make the play at the end and, and we gave up too many negative plays uh, in particular with the, uh, with the sacks that got us behind the chains. I thought, I thought uh, when we were efficient and effective on first down, uh, we were able to play with a little bit of tempo and kind of keep them off, uh, keep them off balance. Um, but, but at the end of the day, um, you're measured by winning and losing and we didn't make the play at the end to win the game. There were questionable play calling decisions at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. And that does go back to Tony Elliott and the criticism of Elliott and offensive coordinator Des Kitchens in that regard is absolutely warranted for Virginia. But when you look at this roster and what they lost in the offseason, and again, this is self-inflicted because Tony Elliott's a my way or the highway type guy and you run people off with that, but it's not like they replaced the lost pieces with elite talent. Miami, they have run guys off and they have upgraded their talent for all the warts they've got. They have five stars on the offensive line, five stars on the defensive line. Ultimately, when push came to shove in overtime, Miami, they were able to utilize that in spite of a quarterback that's lost, a coaching staff that doesn't seem to know what to do with quarterbacks at Miami, and game management equally being a concern with the Miami Hurricanes. But for Virginia, there were areas of progress in that loss. And it's a big picture takeaway you can look at and go, oh, wow, I actually see what they're doing. Because... As Tony Elliott detailed, schematically, it looks like they actually have things they know what they're doing. Starting to see offensively, we're playing a little bit more consistent. You know, obviously still uh, got got areas we got to clean up, but overall, I think you, you're seeing a little bit more rhythm. You know, offensively, um, and defense is is scrapping, man. They're playing a bunch of young guys over there, and they're continuing to find ways to get stops. They're finding ways to get stops. I mean, look, there's no shame in this if you're a Virginia that your identity is to be scrappy, to play efficient. Virginia outgained by Miami by over 100 yards in terms of total offense. They did not commit a penalty. That comment you heard from Tony Elliott sounds a little bit ridiculous to some, but I don't think it is. Virginia actually showed that they can make it through a game, and they're going to have to be more crisp and clean. They are going to have to be close to perfect in a lot of these spots because of the talent gap that rests between Virginia and other teams. And newsflash, that's not getting any better this coming offseason. It's not like Virginia is trending in the right direction in terms of player procurement and acquisition. But they're at least getting a sense from the last four-ish games. Boston College loss was disappointing, but they were in it. Even NC State before that, disappointing, but they were in it. They start eliminating self-inflicted mistakes. They beat William & Mary. They go on the road to knock off North Carolina, and they're in it at Miami in a game where Virginia played about as clean as you could expect. And ultimately, Miami's talent won, but... From Miami's perspective, it should never have been that close. From Virginia's perspective, they more than held their own because I never thought our projection, and Trey and I will have more in our keeping receipts later this week in the fast lane, but at no point, Trey, did I ever feel like the plus 18 or plus 18 and a half was going to come close to being threatened by Miami. 
I thought Virginia would cover entering that game and everything indicated they were more than up for it and had a chance to win. And you combine all that and it's where Tony Elliott makes sense when he says something like this that they see progress in defeat. You know, I think if, if any of us said that we were going to overtime with that football team, man, we would have took it. Now it's three years in a row that it goes down to the last play of the game. Uh, so, so hopefully next year uh, it's, not that, it's not that situation. But, um, man, proud of my football team. Man, the, the, the coaches and the players, the resilience, you know, how they've continued to fight. Uh, I think it's just, uh, just evidence of the quality of the individuals that we have uh, on the staff and in that locker room that, man, they're going to show up and they're going to fight regardless of the circumstances. And I think, you know, for us to, to go where I believe this program can go, that's the mindset that we have to have, that it's about competitive stamina. We're not worried about a circumstance. And I see progress uh, each uh, each week. So here's what you do if you're Virginia and you're Tony Elliott. And they might still want to take suggestions from us in the fast lane because, you know, again, uh, we've expressed our doubts and skepticism about this coaching staff. But here's what you do. You go in and you say, look, we're 1-1 one and one and had a chance to go 2-0 and oh, or 0-2 oh if you're fair about it. But you're 1-1 one and one against North Carolina and Miami on the road. Two teams that clearly recruit superior talent to what Virginia has on paper. But guess what? We put it all together. We do the little things and we clean some things up. We have a chance to win more games like this, especially against mediocre ACC competition. It's the same thing we've said about Virginia Tech and the fact that they do look like they are turning it around. Now, I have my doubts that they'll win at Louisville this coming week in a game that begins with 1.30 coverage on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app uh, at the uh, in a 3.30 kick. But... Four? Four? Four what? Four and four. No. No, what is that game for? We got to, you know, talk about the stakes of that game. What, Brian Hudson's revenge game? No. You know what this is for. The driver's seat to the ACC championship because both Louisville and Virginia Tech control their destiny in the ACC. You were correct, Trey, and you can get into that more tomorrow with Damian Sordolette of Roanoke.com. Selling the game, man. You know, we we got to get listeners. Hey, hey, you are, and that's why we have Trey posting those informative graphics at the CBS One for tonight's Radio page, including for tonight, Monday Night Football, Raiders at the Lions. But for Virginia, I actually see where they are with big picture growth. Because if you play like you've played the last couple of games... You beat teams you should. Granted, you should probably win by more against William & Mary. You surprise a team like North Carolina. You back it up at Miami when they should theoretically be taking you more seriously. And you now get more games that are winnable. Now, do I think Virginia is going to go 4-0 and and make it to a bowl game this year? No. Do I think Virginia has a chance to bust our under 3.5 win projection this year? Yeah, I do. They get Georgia Tech. Believe it or not, they're a favorite. I believe it this coming weekend. Virginia still has Virginia Tech on the horizon. I'll give the Hokies the benefit of the doubt because history has proven that that's the case. But there are at least things on the horizon where you go, oh, I can actually see how this makes sense for Virginia. You got a a Duke team coming up. Again, if there's no Riley Leonard, they're very vulnerable and can be God. And that's why when Tony Elliott says something like this, that there's big picture growth, even for a 2-6 and team, it actually makes sense. I mean, each week is a, is a, is like a season of its own, right? There's there's a lot that you battle through just to get to uh, get to game day. Uh, but I've seen the guys, man, uh, really really hurt, 
and find a way to, to show back up and keep keep uh, keep going to work. And then I I've seen them, you know, learn how to handle success, you know, a little bit um, through a bye week and being able to, to to go on the road and then you know to show up here, uh, you know, an 18 point underdog and nobody giving them a chance and you know people questioning uh, if what they did the week before was 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 a fluke or did they get lucky and for them to show up and battle and, and get to the position uh, to where game on the line, um, man, I'm I'm super proud of, uh, of this group and uh, my job is to is to make sure that when we get to those moments I have them ready uh, and confident uh, to make the play uh, to win the game. Tony Elliott taking some accountability for it he's done that for the majority of the year I got on him earlier this year when games like NC State popped up and it never seemed like he was doing that the disastrous sequence of penalties but despite what he said understanding it they have cleaned that element of their game up. Now, for Virginia, it's not on them to always win games against teams like North Carolina and Miami. You don't want to be in that spot. It's on teams like Virginia to do what Virginia Tech has done, which was when you're playing teams at the bottom of the ACC, extremely vulnerable teams that really don't have a talent gap from where you are. Okay, maybe they are slightly ahead of you in the recruiting rankings, but it's not like they're substantially ahead of you. Beat those type of teams. Because Virginia Tech, they've done that this year. Syracuse, Pitt, Wake Forest all down by their fans' expectations and standards. But to Virginia Tech's credit, they've done that. Virginia does not have that yet on their resume this year. Boston College, NC State, among other teams. I'll actually throw JMU and Maryland out of this, despite Maryland's embarrassing loss to Northwestern this weekend. Those out of it. But for Virginia, you've got to find a way to do that. And that starts with protecting home turf and another winnable game against Georgia Tech this week. Speaking of winning... North Carolina, they're not doing a lot of that right now, which is why we'll call an audible and pivot to the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So North Carolina following up that loss to Virginia with another loss at Georgia Tech this past weekend. I get for North Carolina going to Georgia Tech is the equivalent of your Virginia Tech Hokies tray heading up to Pittsburgh. It's just a house of horrors for that particular program. But that's a game North Carolina should have won. You give up 46 points to that Georgia Tech offense, that 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 only fuels the stereotype. And the latter part of this year for Mac Brown in Carolina, it's only fueling the stereotype of great recruiter. Last three years, they've had top 15 recruiting classes but not necessarily the right kind of cultural guys to handle adversity. And Matt Brown, not the guy to push the right buttons. That stereotype is only furthered by what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Carolina losing very winnable games. Yeah, I mean, they gave up over 260 yards rushing in the fourth quarter. Like, that was just a joke. I mean, it is. And it speaks for itself, the reality of that particular point. Number four. We're going to spare you the actual soundbite until Trey maybe brings it up tomorrow and has a chance to edit the soundbite of Dave Doran going at Steve Smith and vice versa. But Steve Smith's snarky comments that it's basketball season already in NC State. It's a basketball. And it's a basketball school. Kind of ironic because it's not like NC State. They've had a ton of success in basketball. I was going to say, yeah, they they had success recently in at least men's basketball. Um, No, women's basketball, they've been great, but not in men's basketball. And football has actually been fairly decent outside of this year, which, hey, when things go outside of the box for Dr. Bob, it doesn't really work out very well as the offense has shown. But I love what Dave Doran had and the passion he had for his program after that loss. 
I don't think it masks the concerns about this NC State offense. And the fact that they have serious issues that we'll be seeing in a couple of weeks when they head to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. And maybe even in the regular season finale if they need to try to keep up offensively with North Carolina. Although that's a rivalry game, things get very screwy in a couple of weeks. But I love what Dave Doran did to protect his players. And again, feeding into your program identity, it's kind of NC State's identity of being that scrappy, plucky underdog as opposed to number three a team that seems to always get what it wants particularly on the hardwood when cooper flagged today the top rated recruit junior he is this year class of 2025 committing to the duke blue devils over uconn first of all trey would it surprise anybody if he enrolls in durham next fall i'm going with no for this particular fact i thought he already announced he was he's gonna be yes you were correct he did he was gonna do that i just checked that out you were correct thank you for correcting me on that um, part of the reason why it doesn't shock me is this. I think Duke's absolutely loaded in basketball this year. Pretends to be shocked. They have a, the perfect blend. So often it's Duke hyped up because they have all this fresh Yeah, he's talent. in the 24 class. Yes, okay, thank you for that. Cooper Flagg. But first of all, I'm not shocked you picked Duke over UConn. Even though UConn won the championship, Duke is the school if you're a one-and-done type player. They have the number one class in 2024. Uh, they do. I'll throw this out there, though. If I'm more optimistic about Duke's outlook in basketball, it's this year, not the Cooper flag year. Because Duke returns a lot of veteran players to this year's roster. They have high-end talent coming in. That's the lethal mix that wins you a national title or gets you to the precipice of it. It's not just one-and-done talent. And yes, Duke will mind the transfer portal, but they're going to lose Jeremy Roach. Great interview with him up. Fast lane, Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. They'll probably lose a couple of other guys like Tyrese Proctor, certainly Kyle Filipowski, and some of the freshmen off this year's team. Duke's going to be reloading, certainly, but Cooper Flag coming in is a big get. It stems the blow, but if you're telling me where I'm more optimistic, it's absolutely about this coming season, not next season, for a team like Duke. Number two. Trade deadline in the NFL. Expect more nuggets like this to be flying. But the Seattle Seahawks finalized the deal to acquire Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams in exchange for... A 2024 second round pick and a fifth round pick the following year in 2025. Um, Good for the Giants. They're not going anywhere this year. We saw that yesterday. Tyrod Taylor, Virginia Tech guy. He goes out. Tommy DeVito, God bless the Syracuse media that loves him, but let's call a spade a spade. Well, he did transfer to Illinois. Well, it doesn't matter. He was bad at both places and he was horrible yesterday. And it's an indication that they're not going anywhere. I'll be curious what Washington does to counter this if they do anything. Because you've got a head coach in Ron Rivera who has a lot of power to make these type of decisions, as our girl Melissa McCarthy will often remind us, lots of power. But for this team, Washington, I don't know if they'll get into this type of debate, whereas the Giants, they've got a GM and coach that just made the playoffs last year. They know who they are. When you're in that spot and you know you're not going to contend, take the discipline and just get rid of guys like they have done. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. Martinsville Speedway announced a complete sellout for yesterday's race. The Xfinity 500 for the NASCAR Cup Series penultimate championship race. Grandstands sold out, camping and hospitality areas, and even club-level seating were all sold out. I get on NASCAR a lot, and again, we would love to partner with them if somebody from Martinsville Speedway or NASCAR ever cares to return a call, text, or email. We'd be delighted to partner with them to promote tracks like this in Richmond Raceway, which could use some of that. But I will give credit, as somebody who has a soft spot for that area, I understand what that venue means 
to Martinsville and the economy in that area. And it still is good to see in here, even though it looked like there were some empty seats in the stands yesterday. It, it, when it's a sellout, even if it's a smaller venue, it looks more aesthetically appealing than a huge venue with a bunch of empty seats. And there is your Fast Five at five -ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, does Jerry Ratcliffe see things the way that we do? That there's progress being made for Virginia football. Find out after this on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.